two more sleeps till dan it. Columbus. <laughs> that doesn't not quite the same ring, too. Yeah, it doesn't. But uh what's up, guys? Thank you for joining us. It's a beautiful Thursday. At least I hope so. I hope it's a little bit nicer than this Wednesday. Yeah, that's where it's been very rainy here in Indiana. Um, Dominic, we are two sleeps away as my little uh, remix of the Great Beastie right. Boys classic. Um, we are two sleeps away from making the trip to our first UFC event in five and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Literally, that was like our first big thing we did after going to college. And here we are, mm. both with bachelor's degrees. You are almost at a master's degree. We are 192 episodes into this podcast, plus our betting show, oh, which is of what, eight episodes strong or something. I don't know. We're not keeping very good count of those. But anyways. My goodness. I mean, Dominic, a lot has happened since we went to Cleveland for UFC 203 back in 2016. That was literally the start of my fandom. I mean, yep. I, I there was so much I didn't know back then that I know now. Yeah. Even though I did get to fully appreciate it. I mean, I was in deep at that point. But it's just, yes. over these years, I have dedicated so much time to mm-hmm. learning about the sport. And here we go. Finally, they're back in Ohio. We were supposed to be here this yep. time two years ago. Headline was supposed to be Francis Ngannou, Jairzinho, Rosenstroik, mm-hmm. Cody Garbrandt versus Rafael Sunsal. If you guys don't know what happened in those two <laughs> fights, we missed out. But exactly. <laughs> we do have a pretty fun card ahead of us, Dominic. It's always fun to be, of course, in person for UFC event. How are you feeling being so close to the magical day? I'm so excited, man. Like you said, it's been almost six years. Uh, This is the first time the UFC's been back to Ohio in that amount of time. First time in Columbus in like 13 years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's on ESPN. It just feels big. We're the first domestic fight night that the UFC's traveled to since COVID. I mean, it it feels big, you know. So I'm super excited. We've got a huge group of friends going. It's going to be great getting together with everyone, cherishing that time with one another. Uh, I'm super stoked, man. This card... You know, it's a low-key sleeper half. There's 26 fighters on the card. 13 of them are ranked. I think we've just uh, we've got a lot of fun on our hands. It's going to be a good night, my friend. And like you said, two more sleeps. Hoo-wee. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with your sentiment about the card being a bit underrated. Now, let's be clear. Probably not going to be UFC London. Of but course. I don't think any fight night has no. ever been UFC ever. London. Yeah. So it's a tough act to follow, you know, <laughs> yeah. a tough crowd to follow. Yeah. So that definitely makes me nervous. Just, we'll try our best. You and yeah, me, you like, and I. Uh, you know, don't come after us if the crowd isn't to your liking or if yeah. the fights aren't to your liking. It's not our fault, people. We are simply just a couple people. We are a small fish in a big pond there right. in the nationwide arena. But Dominic, before we get into the action from UFC Columbus this weekend, we got to start with a little action outside of a steakhouse in Miami. I do like steak. (laughs) Apparently Jorge Masvidal doesn't. (laughs) Um, So, uh, to set the scene here, there's still details, I guess, kind of being worked out about what is going to come of this. But as it stands here, Wednesday evening, as we're recording... Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington had an altercation 
outside of a steakhouse in Miami. This happening was it Monday night? Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Monday night, Colby Covington was eating inside with the Nelk Boys. Apparently, that's just a weird yeah. tidbit about this. Uh, when he was leaving, uh, Jorge Masvidal apparently ran up, uh, basically came up, ambushed him or whatever, sucker punched him mm-hmm. a couple times. Uh, he had a hood on, was wearing a mask, which is kind of funny. I mean. Kind of ironic, right? I mean, he's just following the rules, you know. Well, I mean, Jorge wearing a mask, you know, he's yeah. very anti-mask. Oh, know, yeah, kind of funny. Um, he was apparently Colby was on camera, I guess, or being recorded at one point talking to the cops, and he he said that Jorge said you shouldn't have talked about my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, truthfully, Dom, I mean, we can laugh about this or whatever, but I mean, it's pretty ugly. I mean, it really. is. It, um, it's not clear as of now, Masvidal has not been charged with anything, but it's, I mean, I would imagine something more is going to yeah. come of this. I don't, I don't claim to be a student of the law. Um, I am just the one that abides by the law. That's why I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But anyways, yeah. uh, Dominic, there is some big, deep questions we could get into here, and I, I don't want to like drop anything too deep on your a bomb on you right away. But let me try to ease you in, mm-hmm. and let's just talk about who's the victim here. Who's the victim here? I mean, you have to go, Colby. You know, the bad guy, Colby Covington. Uh, he's hanging out with the Nelk boys, probably making some sort of content with them. Bob Mennery was there too. He does like the funny voiceovers. He wants to beat up his commercials. Um, he's trying to have a steak dinner. Jorge finds out he's there. I'm guessing just from social media. Uh, and then from every account we've seen kind of just ambushed him, sucker punched him, chipped a tooth potentially is what I've been Mm -hmm. seeing as well. So, uh, it's weird, right? Saying that Colby is the uh the good guy quote unquote in this situation it's just like you said it's ugly at the end of the day why this have to happen um no i i have to bring this up that i've seen nothing but hatred toward masvidal since this happened uh on twitter especially like not that he was he's still popular he's and he's a star but you've you've seen kind of the community sway away from him bit by bit and this really i think hurt uh, a, a little chunk of his fan base in terms of like the hardcore fans, especially they're all saying you had 25 minutes to do this with him in a cage. You couldn't do it now that you're doing it here on the street. That's been like the biggest narrative I've seen, even from pretty prominent names. DC Daniel Cormier even said the same thing. So, uh, you know, when you're getting comments like that rolled around and whatnot and, you know, potential charges and jail time and yada, 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 just it's all an ugly look for the sport for you as a character. And uh, if anything, you, you unintentionally might just boost Colby a little bit more if I'm being honest. Oof. Wow. I know. That's a So we're yeah. gonna dip we're gonna differ a little bit on this one because I'm gonna say nobody. It's a trick question, Dom. Sorry. Oh, you no, bastard. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Definitely like if you're you know, if I had to pick somebody who's a victim here, I mean Colby is clearly the one that got assaulted. So yeah. I mean it's uh hard not to say that. Uh, but I don't think anybody's a true victim here. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's pretty obvious why. You can probably get where I'm about to go with this. Uh, look, I understand this is a fight game. Bad, mean things are said. You ultimately end up fighting each other in the cage. Doesn't give you the right, no matter what job you have, no matter what profession, even if you're a professional fighter, doesn't give you a right to right. 
go, you know, cause mayhem in the streets. Uh, hey, shout out Mayhem Miller. He did cause a lot of mayhem in the streets back in the day. Um, weird tangent there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, Masvidal, okay, we know Masvidal, his roots, right? This guy was fighting backyard brawls with Kimbo yep. Slice. He's truly about that life, if yes. you like, you know, to put that kind of saying in there. I'm not going to say Colby Covington doesn't have any of that in him, but, I mean, I don't think his uh, his rise to the game was the same. He mm-hmm. was uh, he was a very well-decorated collegiate wrestler, I believe, and obviously that's kind of where he brought himself into MMA. Yeah. Um, Colby, in the spirit of fight promotion, and I know some of it was legitimate hatred between him and Masvidal, he... I mean, he took a lot of low shots. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he said a lot of mean things. Masvidal reciprocated. It seemed like I, I, when it was talking about the kids thing, I had to kind of try to go back. I had to cut through and weave through all this footage of them just saying bitch back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess he did. I mean, it's, I don't like, again, I think that's like, that's like the lowest of low. I know. When you go to that or like someone's religion. Yeah, whatever, just keep it like, out, you know. It's just uh, not, that's like where you're just hitting, that's where you miss me with that shit. Or like you yeah. start getting racist, you know, like yeah. the guy that yeah. fought Javed Basharat, you know, stuff like that. Just, there's no need for it. Like, I'm not necessarily, I feel conflicted because I don't want to like limit what people can say. Like, I don't want to start policing right. these guys that are ultimately fighters. Yeah. Um, but it's just not something that I want to hear. But, Colby Covington kind of brought this on himself. It's definitely and, an argument, for sure. Um, and again, I, I don't think he would necessarily tell you otherwise. I mean, I think a part of him... I mean, again, Masvidal does look terrible here. Again, the 25 minutes in the cage. He showed where he... Not, not, a, not a shred of what... He, I mean, the best punch he landed in the fight. Yep. Fourth round. Yeah. You know, that was it, basically, for him through five rounds of fighting. So he looks like a bit of a chump here to, like, run up on someone on the street and sucker punch them because it looked, it comes off like you couldn't do it Yeah, when he was alert, prepared. Yeah. But, Dominic, I'm going to kind of throw another question at you here. Would this have happened even if Masvidal had won the fight? Mm. That is a good question, especially because when you say, you know, he is about that life and he's very much serious when it is, you know, when they say like on site and whatnot, like he is that guy you probably don't want to fuck with, like get on the wrong side. Um, Would it have happened if he won the fight? Because I say yes. Or at least there was still a very good chance of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's been... Simmering and just yeah yeah I'm sure it hasn't helped and maybe that's just why it happened like this but I think no matter what he was remembering some of those comments I think that this kind of outburst interaction altercation was going to happen one way or another and you know right man and you know Colby has a right to say whatever he wants again he's not being reprimanded by the UFC or told not to say these things they clearly what he's built for himself is working. I mean, he's definitely made himself a player yep. here. 
um, in the, the upper echelon of the sport. But I think that on the, like, just because we can say as law abiding citizens, you know, we don't approve of what Jorge Masvidal did here, but the reality is that like some, I mean, if someone was talking about my family like that, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't swing on yeah. someone, you know? Right. Right. Like who's to say, I mean, who's to say we'd be any better if we were put in that situation. So it's very um, true. It's again, you don't have to support the actions, but I think that you don't have to support, you don't have to like, you can denounce what Jorge Masvidal did here without treating Covington as if he is some sort of victim. Because I really think that Covington is kind of just as much at fault for this happening. I mean, and and I, again, I don't know if he's really going to like treat himself like a victim. I mean, he was on the scene. Mm-hmm. He was talking to police officers because, again, I don't think he was wanting to flee. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think it's—I'm sure he's more just pissed that, like, again, a guy came up and sucker yeah. punched him, cheap shot him. Yeah, but I don't think he's treating himself like a victim. I just don't—I don't like seeing like people like his fans or other people who don't like Masvidal or whatever. They're acting like this was oh poor Colby Covington, I mean, right? On, yeah. yeah, let's be more realistic about it. I mean, yeah. Look at, I mean, he said worse things about Dustin Poirier in the post-fight speech. No shit. Talking about, you know, his daughter being Connor. Like, just, come on. Ugly stuff. Gross, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I, I so much was focusing on, for, at first, on, like, how Masvidal lost this fight. And I was like, man, you had 25 minutes, what everybody yeah. else has been saying. And then I just took a second, I was like, but if he even won, if he knocked him out, if he did what he did, the Ben Askren, I still think this happens. Oh, that might be where I differ a little. If he did, if he baptized, quote unquote, <laughs> like he does, maybe he doesn't. But maybe he still does. Uh, I mean, he said after the Ben Askren when he's like, look, I still don't like that motherfucker. He's like, if I true. see him on the street, I'm still going to drop him on his head. Yeah. Obviously, that he's never real, happened. Man. I mean, he's real. Yeah, you can say whatever you want about the guy. And again, he does not look good here at all. Like, yeah. terrible. This, I mean, this is this is kind of a kiss of death here in some ways. And actually, my next question for you, I've seen some people saying, you know, and <laughs> I don't know if you're going to think this is, like, t- really out there. Uh-oh. ...amount of people, but it's, it's a, definitely a vocal crowd that are thinking that maybe, just maybe, this whole thing is still done mostly in the spirit of fight promotion. Masvidal looking to get another big payday. Perhaps he sees the writing on the wall and knows that he needed something to reinvigorate some life into that fighting career. Dominic, is is this really just pro wrestling? No, no, not at all. Because here's the thing, Noah. At the end of the day, does he want to go fight Colby again? Regardless of the pay, I mean, look what happened to him in that fight against his arch rival. He got destroyed for 24 and a half out of 25 minutes. Do you want to repeat that again? Like, and yeah, I don't, I call BS on that. I, I don't I mean, like I'm that. Sure, I'm sure in his head, he thinks that if they fought again, he could, you know, stay off his back and win. I mean, I'm sure. Or is that the whole reason he decided to do this? Cause he knows he can't do it in the cage. Ooh. I don't know. You know, like, I don't think this is part of fight promotion at all. 
I, I don't think he wants to fight Colby again. In my, well, my response would be to anybody who thinks it is, is, well, it doesn't look like it worked. Yeah, like, what if he really like, does go anybody, to jail? Like, is that I, worth it? And the fallout of this is I've not heard anybody any in, with any interest in this rematch. Well, yeah, who wants to see it again as a fan? You know what I'm saying? Just because, like, this happened, it didn't make me any more interested in those two no, fighting again. Not at all. So. It's over it and is, done, If it is done for fight promotion, then it was kind of a failed attempt. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's working. But, I mean, Masvidal, he's going to have some legal troubles, I'm sure, with this. But, you know, I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll eventually end up fighting like Conor McGregor or something. Hey, he got Nate fine. Diaz talking about him. So <laughs> That's, could, Nate Diaz did have a pretty fun. That was pretty funny. So <laughs> how are you going to snitch on yourself? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Nate's going to be Nate. Uh, any other final comments on this before we move on? Wrap it up. Now, Dominic, we do have a card this weekend. Where is it again? Where is it? Seabus. And I don't know if we made it clear that we're actually going to this event. True, true. The main event sees two top 10 heavyweights go head to head. Curtis Razor Blades, Mm -hmm. four to one favorite, going up against Chris Dawkins, one of the more promising guys in the back half of the top 15. So, Dominic. Obviously, this was originally supposed to be Alexander Rakic versus Jan Blahovic, perhaps in a title eliminator to fight the winner of the future title fight against uh, yeah. Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira. That fight fell out. Blades Dawkins in here, kind of a late notice replacement main event. So when I look at this fight, Chris Dawkins is coming off his first loss in the UFC. A pretty tough one at that. A first-round knockout loss to Derek Lewis in his first main event to end 2021. Curtis Blades is coming off a win in pretty Curtis Blades fashion Mm -hmm. over Jarzinho Rosenstrike. But his, you know, Curtis Blades' struggles with the the elite of this division have been well-documented. He fought Derek Lewis in a main event, a fight most thought he was going to win, probably with odds similar to this. Yeah. He looks great for the entire first round, then gets caught with a nasty, vicious uppercut that knocks him out. Yeah. He's fought Francis Ngannou twice, has been finished both times. Dominic, who has more to lose in this fight? Ooh, I think you still have to go Curtis Blades. I think you do. I think you do because he's always been there. He's always been right there, but not able to get the one he needs just like you said with those two losses to Nganu with the loss to Derek Lewis like literally if he wins any of those three he probably maybe depending on the state of the division at the time might get a title shot next because that's how good he actually is his skill set he's you know he's the most dominant grappler in the heavyweight division you don't see like any other grapplers to this caliber mm-hmm. um, until at least John Jones enters the equation maybe but uh, still, just the way in which he does it uh, is very dominant when he can pull it off. So, yeah, I think there's still a ton on the line here because, you know, there's been those back and forth. Him and Dana don't seem to have the greatest relationship, maybe due to his fight style at times. And he's had the contracts iffy, he, he but he'll came, win. He, and then he yeah. resigns, you he, know. He, he came after the UFC's pay structure, yeah. too. So don't forget so, that. You know, you, you put into account all these factors, the fact that he's fighting back, you know, it's it's different when you're fighting a Francis, you're fighting a Derek Lewis, but now you're fighting a number nine Chris Dawkins. He's only got five fights in the UFC. If he comes in here and starches you, any shot of a title, I'd say would be out the window 
for good, Noah, for Curtis wow. Blades if he loses this oh, fight. That is a definitive statement. I was, you know, yeah. Dominic, you don't give a lot of those. You don't give a lot of those definitive statements. I've had a couple lately, too. Yeah, right? I know. You've definitely been stepping it up there. I like it. I like to put dig them heels in the sand. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that Curtis Blades, more to lose here. Obviously, both guys need a win. Chris Dawkins, his stock was so high. Yeah, it was. And then it feels like it just plummeted after that Lewis fight. And I don't really know why. Yeah. Like, I get it. He didn't really show much in that fight, but it's Derek Lewis. Exactly. I mean, are we really going to keep pretending like Derek Lewis isn't an elite heavyweight? I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Curtis Blades is just a forgotten guy in this division. I mean, both yeah. these guys. This is why this main event's kind of being slept on is these are two of the more underestimated guys at this point. And you yeah. know, for Dawkins, it was just one loss. That's all it took for him. For Curtis Blades, again, it's been, like you said, he can't. He hasn't ever really been able to get over that hump. And I think it's also his fight style not being the most fan-friendly. But then you see these flashes. You see these performances yeah. that blow you away. The Alistair Overeem elbows. Uh, he knocked, or TKO's uh, Junior Dos Santos. That was on the feet, too. Yes, I mean, but then... You have like the win over Alexander Volkov. Does anybody even remember that? Right, not. He's well, even the win over Rosenstreich. (laughs) You know, I mean, I bet most people didn't even remember that fight happened. It's it's, yeah. That's Curtis Blades, though, and he is probably the best wrestler in this division. And I don't think he's one note necessarily either. But you know, whether it's bad luck or bad striking defense or whatever it is, he's just obviously been KO'd by the two guys in the division with the most KO power. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that shouldn't be like necessarily looked at as like a, like, I don't think he should be in the position that I feel like he's in. And Dominic, I kind of agree with you. I'll even go a step further in your definitive statement. I don't necessarily think a loss takes him out of the title picture completely. I think a loss might take him out of the UFC completely. So I've said this about Curtis Blades previously. I think I said that um, probably when he, going into the Rosenstreich fight, I bet. Because when he lost to Lewis, I thought there was a chance. Because I remember them saying he had one fight left on his contract. I said, the UFC don't love his fight style. He isn't able to really beat the best of the best, at least so far. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a John Fitch situation where it's yeah. like, you know, and you've seen other guys, like if you're telling me Curtis Blades going to Bellator is crazier than like Rory McDonald going to Bellator, Gegard Musasi going to Bellator, Benson Henderson going to Bellator. Yeah. Oh, uh, Corey Anderson. I mean, th- those all feel like, it feels like Curtis Blades fits with those yes. guys somehow. Yes. So it would not surprise me. I mean, he would dominate that division, by the I way. I think he would, there. yeah. But, um, that's why, like, a loss here, I almost wonder if the UFC is kind of, like, hoping to kind of cut their losses with Curtis Blades. But with a win, Dominic, I mean, he's still right there. Like, how can you argue that he's – not one of the elite of the division. He's beaten so many top-level talent. It's just Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou. And Derek Lewis, you know, we, just as soon as we think he's kind of going downwards. He finds you know, a way. He knocks out Chris Dawkins, and then he's right yeah. back. 
Then he gets knocked out by Taito Ivasa. So now we're starting to think, okay, this is kind of the end. Yeah. Who knows what, you know, who so knows whoever what? gets scheduled to Derek next, sorry, <laughs> you're screwed. Yeah, but, um, you know, I, I tend to trust Curtis Blades more in terms of future potential. Yeah. Um, do I think he necessarily is ever going to beat Francis Ngannou? Not really, but he is a guy that I could see fighting for a title, for what it's yeah. worth. Um, I just don't know if the UFC really view him that way. Chris Dawkins, I think there's a lot unknown about him still. He's only went out of the first round in the UFC once, and that was in his win over Shamil Abdurrahimov. Yeah. But he hasn't yet to face a wrestler, especially of this caliber. Yes. Very How's true. he going to respond to that? Mm-hmm. Is he have good takedown defense? Is he going to light up Curtis Blades on the feet? These are questions that I look forward to seeing answered. I think most are kind of thinking this might be like a five-round, like Curtis Blades and top control. Just... Yeah, I don't know. But I, I, I feel like there's two. I don't know if Curtis Blades can afford to have even that kind of winning performance. Like I don't think he can play it safe here. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you saw that initial approach he had in the Lewis fight was I, what I thought was so interesting. He was a bit he, more aggressive. Yeah, he chose to stand with him the whole first round. Uh, won the first round, to be honest with you. I thought he didn't look bad at all on the feet. And while Chris Dawkins doesn't carry the same knockout power that Derek Lewis has, he's probably the more efficient striker. You know, in terms of like a like an actual boxer, he, mm. he kind of has that upper skill set yeah. here in this division. So is Blades going to want to risk it on the feet with him? Or is he just going to, again, just inevitably fall back to that bread and butter? If Dawkins can't keep it on the feet, it's it gets really interesting for me. It really does. Yeah. Um, I think we'll move on to the next bout from this card, Dominic. Not the co-main event, not even the feature bout. Yeah. This fight's definitely being overlooked. On our main card, though, we do see what could end up being a title eliminator. I guess we'll get your thoughts on that. But Askar Askarov, the number two ranked men's flyweight in the world, going up against number six, Kai Kara France. So, Dominic, we've heard some rumors going around. It looks like the UFC is committing to that fourth fight yep. between Brandon Moreno and Davis and Figueredo. And I think most people would say, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> has the fact that we're going in that direction with the title picture, has that hurt this fight, the the attention to this fight, the interest in this fight in your eyes for Askarov versus Car France? Uh, no, I think it actually helps it. I think it helps it because to me, the, the load man out that's losing is Alejandro Pantoja just kind of sitting there in the middle between everybody. But I think, especially like if that gets booked, you know, within the next week or two officially or whatever, then there's even more pressure on this fight to deliver on ESPN, you know, in a big stage for both these guys. I do actually view this as a number one contender fight, and I hate to pass up Pantoja. I do. But sitting out, I don't think helped him originally when he couldn't accept the initial date. And now that these two are fighting, like, dude, if Askar Askarov wins this fight, regardless of Pantoja's win streak and how good he's looked recently, we can't deny him anymore, especially if he makes the weight. That, that's the thing. We do need him to make weight successfully Friday morning. But if he comes out here and dominates Car France, one thing, by the way, that I didn't realize until I was taking notes for this fight, Askarov has actually finished 11 out of his 14 wins. 
because I feel like he may be viewed as like that boring type fighter when he is mm-hmm. grappling and whatnot, but he does find his way to get finishes. It's just not as many in the UFC is where that well, problem arises. Zero in the zero UFC. in the UFC. See, all of his decisions have been or before in the U. No, the, all of his decisions have been in the UFC. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the finishes came before. So, that's, uh, that's that's the thing is like once he got to this level of competition. You're just seeing that maybe. I mean, I do think I get what you're saying. I think yeah. there is capabilities are there. I mean, he's yeah. very talented, a lot more well-rounded than people think. But go ahead, yeah. and continue. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, if he wins for sure, and with Kaikar France, you've got the market behind him with New Zealand. He's on a two-fight win streak. He's a firecracker when he gets in the cage. He knocked out Cody Garbrandt. So if he can come in and beat Askar and take that O away from his record, how do you not give him the title fight that would put him on a three-fight win streak? So. Yeah, I think there's a lot riding on this. And the fact that Figgy Moreno 4 is more than likely going to happen, I think elevates this fight, actually. Hmm. I don't know if it elevates it, but... So I guess in a way I do think that that... Because we kind of assumed that that trilogy would wrap up everything. Right. Back in January. Because this fight was already announced. We said, okay, winner of this fight be next. Not what's happening. Yeah. So I do think it hurts it in a way. I mean, I wish this fight was the co-main event. And even if this was a title eliminator, I'm not sure if it would be the co-main event. But as far as the competitiveness of the bout, it's still super high level. And I think there is still a chance that the winner of this could be next for the winner of Davison Moreno 4. Um, you look at Askar Askarov, he's had some issues with the weight cut, at least one specifically that I remember. Yeah. But he has a win over Pantoja. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot. When Pantoja's the guy who kind of got the shot over him, I, I, if Askar wins here, it's hard to say when he already has a win head-to-head with Pantoja, it's hard to say that he doesn't deserve that shot. Kaikar France is an interesting one because that win over Cody Garbrandt really put a lot of eyes on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody Garbrandt, former Bantamweight champion, He's had his struggles since winning the title, was going down to flyweight, an attempt to re, uh, refurbish his career, to restate him as a title challenger in a new division. He wanted to win this fight in emphatic fashion with Car France in order to get himself a title shot, and he got knocked out in like three minutes. Yeah. Car France is a hammer, man. He is a hammer on the Lots feet. of power. He is one of the more powerful guys in this whole division. The problem for him has always been when he's the nail, when someone is putting him on his back. He doesn't have the best takedown defense. Askar Askarov (laughs) is probably the best wrestler in this whole division. And I think he's sort of, because he's kind of gone under the radar, this whole division really has, especially in that time frame when we weren't sure if it was staying around. I think less and less people were paying attention. Yeah. Then Cejudo kind of brings it back to life. And I think now we have, we're in a good spot, but you know, just because the record's undefeated, I know there's the draw with Moreno. When you really look at some of these performances from Askarov, he's not necessarily gotten through them completely clean. Mm Mm-hmm. That draw with Moreno, Moreno nearly finished that fight with a nasty, I believe it was a head kick. Um, just, I, again, it was a, it went to a draw, so yeah. that's why there's a lot of intrigue in that fight being run back. Mm-hmm. 
But I know he was hurt by, I don't know if it was uh, Pantoja or Tim Elliott, one of the two. He got hurt in that fight. So it's not like he's necessarily done it clean and he's missed weight. So it's hard to necessarily say, like, with the win, he's automatically next. If he loses weight, I don't know if that's the case, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, true. I say loses weight. If he, if he misses, misses weight. weight. Well, yeah, if he misses weight, it's probably chalk for him. Yeah. Carl France seems he he's of city kickboxing, which that group of guys have just like made themselves into like stars in yeah. the UFC. I mean, Dan Hooker, Israel Asanya, Carl France, the that gym has just become so popular with the fans. And Carl France is really living up to that. Twenty twenty one was great for him, two knockout wins. Mm-hmm. But again, like he like his record's a little deceiving. I think he's like twenty three and nine. Yeah. But at one time in his career, he was seven and six. So I mean, take with that what you will. Yeah. But for him, it's really just been about fleshing out the full game, being yeah, and- able to fight more than one type of fighter. When a guy isn't, when a guy is more willing to stand and trade with him, more times than not, Kai Car France is going to win that battle. But as soon as someone wants to take that fight to the ground, he just isn't the same guy this is the chance for him right here then you know to prove that whole narrative wrong and if he does he could catapult in i'm just gonna note that you know he did lose not too long ago to mr raw dog brandon roy val so even with the win about raw dog even with the win i would kind of say hey let's you know raw dog's still out there you know yeah no i i get it though car france has a lot of momentum i i actually (laughs) Is it a hot take to say that I actually think there's a better chance that if Car France wins, he gets a title shot than if Askarov wins? Mm, I wouldn't say it's hot for me I, on this I, end. I would, I would say it's a hot take because Askarov has the resume. To the majority, yes, I'd say it is. But I, I see think it. it's so. I think it's I more see. in terms of like intrigue. You know, people yes. just seem to really be gravitating towards Kai right now. So this would be a way to kind of ride that wave for him, really capitalize on that momentum and. I I saw like GC and Helwani. GC's put money on Car France by the by finish and inside the distance. Yeah, he's putting. Okay, he typically doesn't go that ballsy either. Yeah. so definitely a guy that people are loving right now. There it is. Now we'll be back with some more UFC Columbus. Oh my. We're gonna go over to Singapore, Dom. Oh my goodness, the card that's been it was canceled. At one point, it's back. One X. The 10 year anniversary card for one championship. And you know, what a ride it's been. Yeah. That we just got on like got on. a month yeah. ago. <laughs> but hey, glad we could have, have a part in this 10 year buildup, right? Yes, of course. I mean, Dominic, this card is a behemoth. It's sick, dude. It's a three parter. Yeah, it starts at one a.m. our time, and it's a part one. Part two is at five a.m., and then what they call the grand finale starts at eight a.m. on pay per view. Yeah, I think total there's nineteen fights, like oh, all across man. all of the sports. Yeah, uh, Renee Ritter's and a grappling match. Yep. I mean, there's yep. so much going on. This isn't the main event, but it's definitely the most intriguing fight on the card. It's the flyweight freestyle. Ooh, I like that name, by the way. Yeah, Rod Tang, who maybe a lot of you MMA fans are not aware of, but he is the uh, one championship. But I keep wanting to say one FC. One championship. He is the one flyweight Muay Thai champion. 
Um, one of the best, they say one of the best of that weight class to ever do it. His record's like 257 and 49 yeah. or something it's like insane. that. It's I mean, insane. He's going up against Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, one of the best to ever do it, regardless of weight class in MMA. But Dominic, this isn't just an MMA bout. It oh. is a, it's a hodgepodge. It's special rules, super special fight. rules. So what we have here is four three-minute rounds. Yep. Rounds one and three will be Muay Thai rules. Ooh. Rounds two and four. MMA rules. I also saw Muay Thai has uh, heavier gloves, but they will be using MMA gloves for all. Oh, that's interesting to note. Yeah. Um, Dominic, this has been a fight that a lot of people are interested in, and my thought, my my question for you as we as we inch closer and closer, are you excited for this fight, or are you one of those people that are like, no, this is just too outside of like what I'm comfortable with, with MMA. I don't really like all these mixing and meshing of the rules. I mean, where, where, where are your, where's your head at with this fight? I think it's pretty damn cool, man. I think this is, this is something special. This is something super unique to one, um, to, to have these two, you know, stars of their organization come together on their biggest night in the company's history. Uh, it, it's a big deal. You know, Rod Tang, 24 years old, man, and you already said it, you know, 250-plus victories in Muay Thai. He's the champion in one. He's 8-1 uh, in one uh, in Muay Thai. But Demetrius Johnson, one of the best mixed martial artists that we've ever seen step into a cage. I just, it's it's worrisome a bit that the first round of the fight is the Muay Thai because it's like, hey, this could go quick. This, this mm-hmm. He could be out of there. You know, we've seen Demetrius get knocked out in one championship his last fight actually. yes so uh you know it's in and then it's like well if he escapes at round one then it's round two and he could just grapple you know the heck out of rod tang and maybe get but then he gets to round three and it's muay thai again so i think it's really cool it's something that's never really been seen before and to get two big names to agree to do this for one another i think it's awesome i do i love it on paper i love <laughs> that you know for one championship i think it's great for this type of promotion to do something new. You know, we've kind of clamored for these other promotions outside the UFC to try to do things differently. I feel like there's too much of the same. Yeah. But then when someone would ask, like, well, what do you propose? I'd be like, well, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the way UFC yeah. runs their shows. I don't know. This is something. I mean, the PFL's done some cool stuff, you know, on the back, on the like behind the scenes and stuff. Their their presentation, one championship here with this uh, mixed rules fight is something very intriguing. And obviously, the fact that they're charging for this card yeah. tells you yeah. that there's a lot of interest in this one, and they're really putting a lot of stock on people buying this card. Uh, based on this fight. But I am slightly concerned <laughs> that this fight could end up being kind of a shit show in a way. Oh, it could. For sure. Could end up being very underwhelming in a way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. I mean, like, Ch- Chatri said himself, he said, he sees this going one of two ways. Either Rod Tang knocks him out in round one, or Demetrius submits him in round two. 
Pretty straightforward. That sounds great <laughs> in theory. And apparently in Muay Thai rules, like, you know, do, a lot of people were like, well, Demetrius might just try to kind of run from him. Well, apparently in Muay Thai, you get like, uh, like carded for that yeah. shit and stuff. And yeah. you're not allowed to like stall or, you know, you see it in MMA guys kind of yeah. intelligently, you know, avoiding the, the exchanges. Yeah. Apparently he can't really get away with with that which is i mean crazy to and you probably don't want to clinch with rotating either you know get a clinch right. so yeah i i really don't know what to expect from this i really don't i'm so excited for it and so nervous for it because i want this to do well because i'd love to see more of it yeah not necessarily just this but other types like this i mean why can't we do like a a kickboxing MMA mixed rules or a kickboxing boxing mixed rules mm-hmm. might would be interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. just there's a lot of potential here. This could be some sort of something that could become more commonplace. I don't know if necessarily the UFC is ever going to really get involved in it, but, but it works perfectly for what one championship does because they offer yes. not just MMA, but they have Muay Thai and kickboxing and they promote them all very equally over there so exactly um a lot of potential but there's a lot of pressure on this fight and i mean uh, no better representative for mma though than demetrius johnson who oh yeah oh yeah and he deserves this yeah in his in his bid to win the one flyweight title he lost came up short against adriano marais who is a also on this card who we'll talk about later and he's an absolute hammer but um this is Demetrius Johnson looking to, you know, come back and prove that he still has a lot left to give in this sport. Yep. And then we got Rotang, who's accomplished so much, has fought so much in his sport. Dominic, you know how old Rotang is? He's 24. 24 years old. It's insane. Insane. <laughs> the For the Iron amount of Man, fights. The Tank. Those are his yeah. two nicknames, apparently. Yeah. This dude... I mean, is a freak when it comes to Muay Thai, and I don't know what to expect. Well, really and like don't. you know, this could be something for for him. You know, say he comes out here and beats Demetrius, could we see a slow transition for him to just go full time MMA now because he's I done think, it all in Muay Thai? I think he said I could be wrong, but I thought his intention was with the win here to try to challenge for the yeah. MMA flyweight title. Could be wrong on that. But I think that was, you know, something he was really serious about. Because, again, this fight has been talked about for a while. Yeah, yeah. It is the biggest fight of the weekend, in my opinion. I it, it It is. I do. I do agree with that. It's just the one that still will be, like, hard for a lot of eyes to get on. Domestically, I should say. But, yes, yeah. I agree. It is the biggest fight of the weekend. In terms of as an MMA fan, to me, this is right. the biggest fight of the weekend. I love. Yeah. I'm so excited to go to UFC Columbus, but realistically, this is yeah. this is the this is the one. Yeah, yeah. More from this card later, but we do have some fight announcements to get into. So much coming up today. Oh yeah. Um, so a lot of this is very fresh. A lot of Bellator going on right now. Let's start with the Bellator Women's Flyweight Title, Dom. You know that double card in Hawaii. We got a lot of announcements for Bellator 279. That's the Saturday card. Well, we got our first one here for 278 on Friday. 
Juliana Velasquez looks to make the second defense of her women's flyweight title against an OG. Oh, man. Liz Carmouche. Fun fact, Liz Carmouche, in the very first MMA women's, uh, first women's UFC fight. There we go. Yes, yes. She fought Ronda Rousey back at UFC 157. Gave her a good run for her money, might I add. But she uh, did. came up short. So she's been around a while. I mean, look at how all the people she's outlasted. Ronda Rousey. I mean, Misha Tate retired for like five years. Yeah. she She's really, for, for being someone who, you know, that first fight in the UFC was like the biggest fight she was ever in. She's made quite a career for herself just and been able to remain relevant through the years and remain competitive. She gets cut by the UFC after losing in a title fight to Valentina Shevchenko. Oh, yeah. And then comes the bell tour. She's 3-0, and coming off that win. Oh. In fantastic fashion against Kana Watanabe. Dominated. Dominic, some people felt like there was some unfinished business between Velasquez and her last opponent, Denise Keyholtz. That was a razor-thin close decision. A lot of people thought Keyholtz should have been given an immediate rematch. Do you prefer this fight, or would you have rather seen that fight run back? I think this is a bigger fight. I think for both women, it's a bigger fight. Uh, and just I'd, I'd like to a fan, I'd prefer to watch this fight. Uh, Bellator, I'm not saying they do rematches all the time, but they tend to like at least consider them a lot. You know, it seems like even with like the Chris Cyborg and Kavanaugh thing recently. So I like this. I like this a lot. You brought over Liz Carmouche for a reason, and now she's undefeated in your promotion. Give her the title shot, and that's what they're doing here. So uh, I love everything about this. It's a chance for Velasquez is very good. She's very well-rounded, very complete in terms of her striking skill set as well. Liz Carmouche is just a little dynamite in her hand. She's going to you know, come out of the gate sprinting right at her, or at least potentially that's what she did in her last fight, and it worked. So uh, I think this is a big fight for Velasquez to like, solidify herself you know, against a well-known fighter. It's going to be the most well-known fighter that she's fought. You know, I mean, let's be honest here. So, And for Carmouche, if she were to win, what a story it would be. Like you said, she's outlasted so many of these OGs of the game. And then to come over to Bellator, the second biggest promotion, and potentially win a belt, I think that's awesome. And the storylines here are just phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is the, the fight I'm more interested in. Um, I wouldn't have minded if they ran that fight back with Keyholds, but I didn't care about it the first time, and I don't really care about it now because the fight wasn't really that good. Uh, Juliana Velasquez is very good, Dominic. She yes. looked fantastic when she beat Lima Lane McFarlane. Um, even though it wasn't the most exciting of fights, her performance was just spectacular. Then she followed that up with a title defense against Denise Keyholtz, and I was actually pretty disappointed with her performance. I just felt like she didn't use her length at all like she did against mm-hmm. McFarlane. She let Keyholtz get in inside way too much. Um, it just seemed like her game plan wasn't on point. Um, but I did score to fight for her still, despite all that. I thought it was very close, but I thought it was closer than it should have been. Mm-hmm. So here's like, I mean, it's not getting easier. Uh, no. Not that, not necessarily. I'm not saying you know Carmouche is better than Keyholtz right now. Who knows? But what I am saying is, Carmouche is more battle tested than Denise Keyholtz. She's the most battle tested woman that Velasquez has ever fought. Um, she's probably going to be coming in here with a ready game plan, very smart, on point, know exactly what she wants to do. If Velasquez comes out and looks kind of like how she did against Keyholtz, I think she's going to lose this fight, Dominic. I, I agree. really don't. 
think that like she's very can play it safe here. No, and um, I don't think know, Carmouche I think, will let her. No, I think Carmouche is going to bring the fight to her. She's always played that way. Again, you know, she welcomed she, her and Ronda Rousey first women's UFC fight for the entire company. They had over. They literally handed Ronda Rousey the belt and said, "You're our champion." Yeah, that whole event was set up to promote Ronda Rousey, and I mean, Liz Carmouche said, "Fuck." That. Almost I'm played a, spoiler. Yeah, 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 almost choked her out. So that's just the kind of fighter you're going to get here. While Juliana Velasquez just seems to lack some of that that killer instinct, maybe some of mm-hmm. that those intangibles that we talk about with some of our favorite fighters, and I think she has that in her. I think she has the ability to be a dominant champion. But she's going to have to figure it out sooner rather than later, or she's going to lose that belt, Dom. Yeah. I agree. Um, also, with Bellator, ah, this one hurts, man. Yeah. It hurts so bad. Yeah. Probably the event I was most excited for on Bellator's calendar thus far was the the, the men's bantamweight Grand Prix. It's I, I don't know what I mean by the event I'm most the Grand Prix I've probably been most excited for in Bellator's as long as I've been watching Bellator. I mean this this felt like the biggest Grand Prix you could do. It's the most talent-stacked division Bellator has. The most interesting title picture when you cap it off with that fight between Sergio Pettis and Horiguchi, where Horiguchi dominates almost the entire fight and it gets knocked out by Sergio Pettis late in the fight. However, two of our competitors are out. James Gallagher... And the champion himself, Sergio Pettis. Apparently, Sergio out for an entire year with his injury. ACL, I think. Yeah, so um, I don't know much about James Gallagher's injury. That one kind of came up literally in the last couple hours. Yeah. But we don't know who's going to be replacing those two in the Grand Prix as we are recording. But we do know the fight that will be replacing the originally scheduled Pettis versus... Um, Stotts at Bellator 279 on April 23rd is now Juan Archuleta, mm-hmm. the former yep. Bantamweight champion. He is being moved around in the bracket. He will now fight Rafael Stotts for the interim Bellator Bantamweight title. So, Dominic, obviously this is a big gut punch, but um, is there any silver lining to this? Is the, Is there anything to this matchup that maybe is it more interesting than having Sergio in here? I mean, is there anything really positive to take away or is it pretty much settling? Uh, yeah, it's tough. It is. This was such a big deal. Bellator's band and weight division. So stacked, man, this, this eight man tournament was going to be awesome. Uh, we'll see who the replacements are for Archuleta Stotts. Uh, first off Archuleta rightful to get the interim spot against Stotts. I think, I mean, he was the last champion, obviously he lost it to Pettis. So, uh, you know, I'm okay with that there. And it's still, uh, you know, it's a fun fight. Don't get me wrong. All the guys in this division matched up with one another are great. It just, it takes a little bit of wind out of the sails. You know, the the, the sitting champion's not going to be in it. Then you have, you know, a guy in James Gallagher who has a big following behind him. He's not going to be in it. So it's just like, it's a gut punch. You know, for something we were so excited for, something that Bellator was really going to capitalize on and have a big year with on top of their other big events, it just stings. Yeah, I'm sure it'll still be great, and you know we're still going to have a lot of fun with it, but it's obviously a little compromised. Part of me does kind of like 
in a way. Like, I kind of like that this tournament is going to essentially decide the number one contender for Sergio Pettis in a way. That is true. That's true. Like, it's it's always been kind of weird to me when, and I understand why, like, they do Grand Prix the way they do, and I, I wouldn't change it. But based on my history of playing fighting games like Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, and whatnot, it always seemed weird when in the tournament you had the the champion yeah. fighting his defending his way and fighting his way through the tournament right. along with the other guys. It always felt like the other contenders should be fighting for an opportunity to fight the champion. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Which oh, is yeah. kind of the case, but it's not because like you're you're having to defend along the I don't know. It's I I wouldn't change that, but I a part of me feels like this is more in my roots. This is more in my wheelhouse now, tournament style, how I've been used to them as a kid and whatnot for I mean, even on WWE, I'm sure that's what a lot of their tournament style, King of the Ring, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um it sucks, but I think the replacement matchup, getting Archuleta in there against Stotts. It's a very welcomed interim title fight, in my opinion. Stotts still deserves to be in that picture with Pettis out for a year. I think it's rightfully an interim title to be introduced. It doesn't feel egregious. You know, we've talked about that with the <laughs> UFC before. I don't love interim belts in general, but when you're out a year and that was the point of the Grand Prix, you kind of have to, kind of have to do it. Well, now, Noah, real quick, too. Let's say, you know, mm-hmm. let's say Stotts makes a run here, teammate of Sergio Pettis, right. but what if he becomes the interim champ? What if he wins another, then wins the entire Grand Prix? You have a whole year to build up. Now it's like, because they were going to get matched up first, which was kind of weird because Stotts, the whole reason he wanted the Grand Prix was so he didn't have to fight Pettis immediately. Then they booked that fight anyway. But now you can kind of let it simmer, let it boil, sit into the crock pot for a year. It could turn into something, just maybe. It could be, be- better promoted, I guess. Yes. Like, yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, also, another one, another t- it was a tough day for Bellator. Tough, yeah, tough it was. Um, the scheduled main event for, I believe, Bellator London is what it's been called, but Bellator 281 was Yaroslav Amasov defending his welterweight title against Michael Venom Page. However, as some of you know, Amasov, Ukrainian fighter, mm-hmm. he has been over in the Ukraine fighting on the for front his lines. Country. Yeah. I mean, which is crazy. A lot of athletes from yeah. Ukraine, the, yeah. the Klitschko brothers, their former boxing champions, have been there. Well, one of them's like the freaking. One of the Klitschkos is like the the mayor or something. something i don't know I, yeah i don't know i'm not good you know but i one of them's like high up there so yeah okay but um because of that amasov's not going to be competing which i think we all can respect mm-hmm. but once again i believe uh, i believe this is also it's interim term title yeah uh, michael venom page will now be fighting logan storley so logan storley gained a huge opportunity here coming off his win over neiman gracie Oh, yeah, you saw that... that earlier in the year, a great fight for Bellator. And Dominic, dare I say, this might be... Look, I was more excited because Amasov seems like he has unlimited potential. He's unreal. Michael Venom Page is electric, but, you know, there's just something. It feels like he's never, like... I don't know how to describe Michael Venom Page. It's like, you feel like he's not as good as he is... As he is convinced the promotion or at least as where his placement is. It feels like he's, 
you know, he was beating a lot of guys well below his caliber for a while. He did beat Douglas Lima fair and square, but it wasn't a great fight. Yeah. He's just yet to really legitimize himself, even though he's 100%. playing for a title here. You're right. Amasov, unlimited potential. But again, it, it it was a great matchup. But a part of me in my head had a hard time seeing where Michael Venom Page was going to be really effective against Amasov. Against Logan Storley, who's great, has a great wrestling background, but did show a willingness to stand and trade against Gracie. I see less a less than Amasov, but still a guy that's going to bring a really dangerous fight to MVP. And because of that, I think it's maybe a better fight overall. Are you, your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think if you're Bellator too, you kind of get a chance to see, you know, MVP, he's fighting, you know, a top three guy here. If he wins, he's an interim champ. And he kind of proved, okay, I can beat these, like, really close to the title shot guys. And now I'm proving that I'm ready for Amazov, who's 26-0, just some unreal, untouchable fighter, it seems. So, in a way, I could see that, especially, like, from Bellator's eyes. But for Logan Storley, you got to think, this is your chance to, I mean, you already started the year with a bang by having an amazing, like, maybe one of the best fights of the year so far in 2022 with Neiman Gracie. Now you have a chance to fight for an interim belt against one of the biggest names in Bellator and MVP. If you beat him, then you're fighting undefeated Amazov. All of a sudden you're becoming one of the biggest names uh, in Bellator. If he beats MVP in London, by the way, it's an even bigger deal. So uh, I do, I do like this fight <laughs> and I think it is a bit more closely contested than the original bout. Yeah. I uh, completely agree. No, I mean, there's no other way to look at this, but with positive, eyes because the reason your champion's pulling out is for just bigger reasons than yes. sport. So um I'm glad to see Storley's getting an opportunity here. I uh, just I thought that fight with Gracie was really good. Yeah. And um MVP's one of the biggest stars for Bellator. So big platform for both guys. I mean it's again a title could really legitimize MVP's career and the mm-hmm. path he took that so many criticized along the way. Well, Logan Storley never thought he'd be in this spot, at least not right now, and he's kind of being thrusted into a spotlight that he's yet to face in one of the biggest stars of the company and with the gold on the line. I mean, it's it's a huge for both guys. Yep, yep. Last one, UFC. Uh-oh. Santiago Ponzanibio looks like he's going to be taking on Michelle Pajera. Dominic, this fight won't suck. <laughs> If it does, that's gonna suck. Uh, yeah, this—I mean, these are two guys that like to go in there and bang. Uh, That—that's as simple as that. We've seen the more patient Pajera lately, right? Just a little bit, but he still likes to throw uh, and throw heavy. And Ponzinibbio—he's good. It's not the same Ponzinibbio though, and I don't know if we'll ever get that version of Santiago again. But if anyone's gonna bring it out of him, it will be Michelle Pajera here. Wasn't Pajera's last fight with Nico Price? Yeah. Yes. Didn't he do a backflip? Oh, he does those in every fight, though. I know, but you were like, oh, more patient, which I agreed. But I thought against Nico, it kind of came back out a little bit. He was doing some. I might have to shit. watch it again. But I, I hear you. It's, it should be fun. Um, don't really have much else to say besides that. We'll talk about it when it gets closer. Fair enough. That's happening on May 21st, by the way. Yes. Before we get into more fights for the weekend, though, Dominic, there's one thing we missed. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the PFL. They have announced when their season will be starting. It'll be Wednesday, April 20th. 
That's right. They still like to really <laughs> make us struggle. Yeah. Um, what so are you gonna do? I believe Wednesday is when this is starting, and then are they? Is it? It's like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Ariel said, or something. I don't know. Uh, I'm not. Sh- I remember hearing that, but then the cards that were shown had them like a week apart, so I, I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know. It's starting Wednesday. Um, April twentieth. Uh, Clay Collard taking on Jeremy Stevens. That's that's be that's really a, yeah. Fun. I like Anthony that. Pettis will be back again. This is the lightweights and light heavyweights. So Antonio Carlos Jr. Mm-hmm. That means Challenger Series uh, winner, contract winner, and I forget the fucking guy's <laughs> name. He landed that flying knee. That was awesome. That was like okay. the only highlight for the Challenger Series. He'll be on this card. And guess what, Dominic? There was a guy that I criticized PFL for not giving a contract on that same card. LFA double champ Josh Silvera. Now he's he's competing for. Say it ain't so. Really. He's on the card. Yeah. Good for him. Good for so, him. PFL ended up getting him a contract anyways. Look Shit at him. Matter, I guess. I Look at him. Hey, Roush Manfio back by the yeah, way too. Roush See Manfio. if he can go back I'll, to back. Might I just say? What a I mean that main event's gonna get completely overlooked. Don Madge is fucking good. Yeah, it's a good. He's, fight. He was pretty new to P I believe he got his debut for the PFL was the finals last year. He was like on the like an undercard. I, I think that's the case. And um he's really good. Like that I mean, Rosh Manfio kind of was like one on our newcomer of the year yeah. list. I mean a guy that nobody thought was going to win that tournament, and he did. But man, what a tough draw to start! Don Madge, like I'm just, I'm really looking forward to that fight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Obviously, that means Kayla Harrison will be back soon. And yes, very I true. Mean, a lot of fun to look out for. I'm excited for Jeremy Stevens, Clay Collard. That should I, be a that's lot of a fun. sick fight, man. Yeah, I like so that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited. You know, again, I, I haven't there... been the most vocal supporter of the Challenger series, but. PFL regular season. Their season's cool, man. It is. Inject that shit into my veins. I'll take Amen. It. Amen. No matter what uh, day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out how we're going to cover that yeah. when it comes time. Yeah. Moving on to some more we're fights bad. for the weekend. Back to 1X. And let's talk about a couple title fights. Yeah, that's right. The rest. We're elevating mm. the rest to have a couple title fights on here. That's mm. right. Mm-mm. The one Adam Weight title in the main event, Dominic. The main event of the biggest card in one championship's history. Two women main eventing the card in this a division that is unfamiliar to us Yankees over here in, in <laughs> good old US of A. The Adam Weight title, Angela Lee looks to defend against Stamp Fairtex. Some interesting, pretty badass names there. So, yeah. Dominic, again, a division we're unfamiliar with. What intrigues you about this fight? Uh, and to see Angela Lee, I, because again, we've not covered one much, and it, you know, I being that we were so predominant here domestically, we just didn't get to watch it much. But I've always heard of Angela Lee and how mm-hmm. good she is, and she's only twenty five years old. She's ten and two. Every single fight that both of these women have had professionally have came in one. They've been birthed and molded into title holders and title contenders in one championship, man. 25 for Angela Lee, 24 years old for Stamp Fairtex. These two aren't even in their prime yet, and they already have phenomenal records, phenomenal wins. I think this is a it's a big showcase for them. I think it says a lot that they're getting the main event slot 
I mean, you look at that fight with Rob Ting and uh, Demetrius Johnson, special fight, super fight, super rules, Muay Thai, MMA, Demetrius Johnson, one of the best ever. And it's, you know, this is the main event. This takes the icing on the cake is this Adam Waite title. So I think it says a lot about one's belief in Angel Lee as a champion, Stan Fairtex as a contender, and just the quality of fight that we're going to see here. Because both these ladies, too, they like to finish fights. I think it's awesome that they get this, uh, they get this spotlight for themselves. It does seem like Angela Lee has gotten a lot of the flair um, through the years. Like she's yeah. a name I've been hearing about for a couple of years now. But when I break down this fight, when I really look more into these two ladies, Tam Fairtex is a dangerous challenger here uh, for Angela Lee. Not to mention Angela Lee, she is coming off a win in her last fight, being October 2019. So we haven't seen her in yeah. two and a half years. But before that, she tried to go up. And, and make a bid, I guess, to become a two-weight champion. Uh, lost two back-to-back fights in yep. that division um, at strawweight before moving back down for her last fight, which was a win. So two and a half years we haven't seen Angela Lee. I didn't even um, realize that. Stamp Fairtex is, I think, dare I say, more well-rounded. She has mm-hmm. some good submissions. She's very good on her stand-up. But I would say when it comes to the ground game, Angela Lee, yeah, much yeah. more complete fighter, much more dangerous fighter. Um, their records are pretty clean. I think it's ten and two versus eight and one. Yep. Um, I guess for Stamp, her last fight was in December. So I mean, she fought Dom four times in twenty twenty one. She's won three in champion, a row too. The champion who fought zero times in the last two and a half years. I mean, it's pretty pretty staggering when you compare that, but. Uh, I, I would like to think that for such a big stage, such a big card, Angela Lee is going to be ready. I think so, man. I believe the feature bout of this yeah. card. I believe it's, um, and I'm so excited. This is actually outside of, of course, the special rules, but I'm actually more excited for this title fight of the two because Adriana Morais is back. His last fight was literally his win over Demetrius Johnson He's on TNT. He's a beast, dude. Um, this dude is huge for flyweight <laughs> considering their weight cutting, uh, rules they have. I don't know how this guy, he looked like a lightweight flyweight. Yeah. He, the size difference is it was crazy. I have a, I, I'm not calling bluff on the whole water <laughs> weight or water cut thing, but how the fuck does that guy yeah. make, I don't know, uh, 135 pounds or whatever, I guess yeah. flyweight is there. He's going up against Yuya Wakamatsu. Now, I'll be honest. I had to really do some digging on Wakamatsu. I don't don't know, didn't know mm-hmm. a ton about him. Fifteen and four, twenty seven years old. Um, he last fought in December as well. Fought two times last year. He is on a five fight winning streak. Yep. Um, seems to be a pretty good guy, pretty good fighter. And I might be underestimating him completely by just saying like, yeah, he's pretty good. I guess I, I really am like. Obviously, we're new to one. Yeah. We're we're still learning, um, but. That's the kind of guy that makes me da- like I'm worried because of how invested I am in Marais being back. This guy's probably going to come in here and fucking light the place up. Yeah. But for what it's worth, I think it's a travesty that we have not seen Adriano Marais since his win over Mighty Mouse. When was that? Was that in 2020, that was... right? Oh my god. Cuz it was when they were on TNT. It was April 2021. Oh, it wasn't 24. Yeah. But it's still been a year. I mean. Yeah. 
I think that was a travesty. Now, it was great that they put him on TNT, obviously fighting Mighty Mouse. I was loving when one Well, he shocked the TNT. world. I mean, honestly. In a way, I mean, I think one fans probably were more aware yeah. of how good he was, how dangerous he was. But for us, the guys that are just assume that, you know, it's like, well, if Demetrius is over there and won, then he's probably going to dominate. But not quite the case. He got yeah. KO'd cold, Dom against Marais. And I just think it's such a travesty we haven't even really heard from this guy since then. I think he has the look of like a real star for this promotion. Yeah. It shows he's the third one from the top here. So like, you know, they are kind of like not I don't think they really know what they have in Adriano Marais. He's got an exciting fight style. He's huge for the division. Yeah. Um he really looks like he could be a long term champion. We will see. Akamatsu may come in here and just like fucking light my ass up for not knowing much about him but dominic i i want to give you a chance to give your thoughts is there anything more you can add to the matchup as a whole i mean honestly you said it all man i i am going to be curious to see how how the size matches up in this one i know uh you know wakamatsu is a bit taller than dj he's five five but marice is still five eight just marice is so thick uh, I, they don't have like reach in one or at least that I can find on the internet so I don't know kind of how that's going to look but it just I still feel like Marais is going to be the much bigger guy when they step into the cage and it plays a huge factor I think it did against uh, DJ uh, inevitably before the, the knee landed for the knockout so he, he could really kind of stamp and solidify how good he is here Marais and for Wakamatsu the guy that's you know he's 5-2-1 and two and one, he's been doing good but if you beat this guy that beat DJ, it just it ups your status a bit, sure. you know. Yeah, I agree. Also on this card, Japanese MMA legends go head to head. Thirty-eight-year-old Shinya Aoki takes on forty-six-year-old Yoshihiro Sexyama. Sexyama. So when this fight first got announced, I was pretty, you know intrigued pretty excited for it um must admit that now that it's here i'm kind of laissez-faire about it a little bit mid on it i can't help but just look at like these two and kind of how what we're looking at here as far as um fight activity goes i mean aoki has been the much more active guy of the two but, you know, he fought twice last year. He fought uh, three times in 2019. Um, he was a champion not too long ago for one. Literally lost. He lost his belt to Christian Lee in 2019. So he was a champion not yeah. too long ago. But then you go over to Akiyama. And, Dominic, you, you know mm. what I'm about to say. Akiyama was fighting for the UFC and went on a pretty big losing streak in UFC in, like, 2012. Yeah. Got cut by the UFC. Um, he's 46. Gonna, yeah. And I'm going to give you the, the thing that was kind of like just shocking me here was that he last fought for the UFC in November, 2015. He then returned to MMA action and won in June, 2019. Yep. Fought two times once in 2019, once in 2020. And this is the, him being back after another extended hiatus. And it's against Shinya Aoki. I mean, I don't think, I think he, he might have even retired after his last fight, but Aoki called him out for this event. So I think that's kind of why 
yeah. uh, this is happening. But ultimately, it feels a little bit like Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz too, where like I want to be excited about it, but I just have my doubts that this is going to really be a good fight. I think we could be in for a pretty one-sided potential beatdown here yeah. from I- Aoki. I mean, we're talking about a guy, he's 38 in his own right, but he's on a four-fight win streak. This dude's <laughs> still kicking ass. He's got... 34 finishes, 30 of them by submission. I mean, this dude is an absolute animal. So I I don't know if this is the greatest decision for Akiyama, but two Japanese MMA legends, I guess I'll approve for now. Sexyama never says no to a challenge. Hell yes. And by the way, his style and that face-off, dude, his swag was fucking on like... Oh, he's got some drip. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that yeah. drip was fucking... I mean... I was jealous. I was like, man, yeah, I'm sitting over here with Cheeto hands <laughs> wearing Carhartt shirts five days a week. This dude, yeah. he looked like, I mean this with respect, he looked like a member of the Yakuza, like just fucking <laughs> dripped out, yeah. iced out, baby. Yes, very true. UFC Columbus, we're back to that now. The co-main event, is mm. it, even though it's not one of the top two fights, you know, in our opinion, still a fight with a lot of interest behind it. Joanne Calderwood, Joanne, don't call me Calderwood, <laughs> makes her return to the Buckeye State after. Oh, well, here it know, comes. The incident. The incident. Uh, she's taking on Alexa Grasso. So, Dominic, I'm going to let some newer viewers or people maybe that haven't seen the constant ribs I've made at your expense about this. At UFC 203, Joanne, at the time Calderwood, Opened our main card against none other than Jessica Andrade. I think it was the main card. Yeah, it was. was And um, again, you know, I'm still pretty new to the sport at the time. I'm like, no, I mean, I'm I'm all in. Like, I've been watching Fight Pass. But again, this is like just a couple months into my fandom. So I didn't really know who either of the two ladies were at the time. And uh, we were with two of our buddies. And they both were kind of like me, like, Dominic had kind of gotten us all interested in it by inviting us to his house to watch the mm-hmm. cards. So, but you were the most knowledgeable one there by far. And I mean, that's probably still the case now when it comes to our friends, but um, <laughs> you were, were very adamant about that fight that how excited you were to watch Joanne Calderwood. She had never been taken down. Never. The UFC I... Dominic proclaims. Never. He wagged his finger. He said, Jessica Andrade will not defeat Joanne Wood. Joanne Calderwood. Gotta At keep the time. Yeah. Yeah. He said, no, no, no. She will not. And yeah. within, before you could say takedown, Joanne Calderwood was taken down. And got taken down like multiple more times before getting finished yes. in the first round. Jessica Andrade, we now know, like, we now know just, like, how good both of them are. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Is. But it was the, Dominic's jaw. The irony. Yeah. The irony was just that a 10. And yeah. then we, all three of us kind of were like, well, maybe Dom doesn't know his shit. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, maybe we should have went with someone else. <laughs> so Dominic did have to kind of take a lot of, take a lot yeah. of crow for that one. But now you have a chance to redeem yourself, this ex- Dominic. Yes, exactly. Because jo- Joanne, don't call me Calder, Wood, <laughs> is fighting Alexa Grasso. So, Dominic, first and foremost, I want you to give your prediction for this fight. 
Well, I'm not saying you have to pick a winner. I'm just saying I want you to pick. How is this fight going to go? Is there any bold claims you can make about this fight? I, I, you, it's a chance of redemption. No bold claims on this one uh, because I think it's pretty cut and dry. I think these are two strikers that are going to go in there and they're going to have a kickboxing match. Uh, you know, Joanne Wood is more of that Muay Thai practitioner with her distance strikes and whatnot. Alexa Grasso, she's a phenomenal boxer. One of the best female boxers, I think, in the UFC that they have in terms of just mm-hmm. so crisp and technical. Doesn't really have the power or whatnot, but man, she can really pack a punch and you know put damage upon her opponents. Uh, and that's what it's going to be, I think, for three rounds, back and forth action. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, there's going to be no takedown, so I don't have to worry about that and making any kinds of claims like that anymore. Uh, I, I don't think this fight goes uh, on the ground at all. This is a big chance. Uh, Joanne, you know, JoJo's been so close and kind of lost out on that title opportunity when she chose to fight Maya. Then she lost, and now she's sitting at number seven. So she really is in a dire kind of circumstance, not to, like, you know, get cut from the UFC, but if she really wants to get in there for that title, which in this division it's easier to do than others because Valentina just keeps churning through opponents. She's got to put it together here. It's got to start here with Alexa Grasso though. She's coming into her all 125 pounds is her weight class, man. She's on a two fight win streak. She's dominated clearly into two straight decision victories. The last one being Macy Barber. The only thing I don't like is we haven't seen Grasso in over a year, which is unfortunate. I know there were some fight cancellations and stuff, but she's coming into her, her, her all. And I'm very excited to see how she's going to look here against, uh, you know, really the most experienced uh, opponent that she's had to date in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, she's still pretty fresh into this division. Yes. She's 2-0 and in this division. I, she was at she was at strawweight before, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. At strawweight, she kind of fizzled out, never really reached her ceiling. I mean, that's a story for that you could use for a lot of future champions or whatever. So um, her story's not written yet. She no. she has so much left to or so much more that she could give, I believe. And you know, it's all about for me. It's about seeing the activity. Mm-hmm. The Macy Barber win, she looked phenomenal. So good, yeah. But when you go a year plus, the sport just moves on, man. It just mm-hmm. moves on. So yes, maybe there are benefits to probably taking that time off. You know, we were still in a pandemic. I mean, we still yeah. kind of are. But, uh, you know, there's benefits to where maybe, you know, you're not taking, if you're not fighting five times a year, that's five times less damage you have to take. I mean, there's benefits to taking time off, but for her, who is still in the middle of like her, she's kind of just getting into her prime years. And she was having some momentum at that time, beating a name like Macy Barber. It's kind of disappointing that, now it feels like it kind of lost some of its steam a little bit. Mm-hmm. But co-main event spot, going up against Joanne Wood, who is a, a a fan favorite. I feel like I feel like a lot of people like Joanne Wood, and yeah, it's because she's a dog, man. I mean, she has this very like I don't she, I love her voice, her accent, you know, yeah, quite quite the I don't know a darling voice in a way, yes, but a she savage. Really, she's a savage of a yeah. fighter, man, yeah. Um, but unfortunately for her, she's lost two straight. Now, both of those were to grapplers, wrestlers, and that's not going to be the problem here. But I almost don't know if that's for the better because in terms of the striking breakdown, I think Joanne Woods got more power. But 
Alex Grasso, I think, is the far more technical boxer. And yes, yes I know uh, Wood is more of the Muay Thai style. I just, you know, I think it's. I don't really know what to think of this fight because I really do think Joanne Wood does pose some sort of intangible threat to Grasso. Grasso does tend to keep her fights pretty clean. Not a lot of knockdowns. Mm -hmm. Everything's usually pretty by the book. Pretty much, you know, she comes in there, she fights a girl for three rounds, they go their separate ways. Yeah. Not a whole lot of like, whoa moments Mm -hmm. or, or twists and turns. It's usually pretty straightforward. Almost like, I call them like a spreadsheet fight. Like, it's yep. basically a formula, you run it, yep. move on. Joanne Wood's not like that. No. Joanne Wood has been winning fights that she's ended up losing. The Jennifer Maya fight where she got caught in submission, the only one of Jennifer Maya's career. Uh, she's also won fights that she's been on the brink of losing. She had that three-round war with Jessica I. That was a sick fight. Yeah. She got a split decision win over Andrea Lee back in Abu Dhabi in UFC 242. So she's had her moments, and, and you know, I still feel like she there's a route for her to salvage yes. you know, this, this run. Um, she gave up that title fight to fight Jennifer Maya. We've talked about it. Obviously, in hindsight, probably should have just waited for the title fight, get that payday, but, you know. It is what it is, and now she's had a couple losses that have really knocked her down a peg or mm-hmm. two. But a win over Alexa Grasso might not push her forward very much, but it can at least stop her from free-falling, which is really what she needs right now. Well said. Following that, we had to talk about the Ohio boy, the guy representing our state on this card. And the city. Matt, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Matt, the immortal Brown, taking on Brian Barbarena. <laughs> this fight, to me, I see one word when I read those names, and that's violence. Oh, good one, good one. The, this fight will be violent. And I don't know how many Matt Brown has left. Um, I don't know if he said that this is going to be his last one. It kind of feels like it could be. Especially if he wins, man, yeah, in Columbus. Right. Man. So it really feels like we're, we we don't have much time left with Matt Brown. I know he's never been like a title holder or whatever, but at one time this guy was one of the best welterweights in the world. And um, he's constantly remained a competitive threat to guys in this division. I mean, he's coming off a win in a very underrated KO of Diego Lima. Mm-hmm. But before that, he did lose to guys like Carlos Condit who was also kind of washed at the time, got TKO'd by Miguel Baeza. So he's kind of, he's fit whatever role the UFC's needed for him. He's fought the, he's done the other kind of old guy fights or legend fights. You know, he's fought Diego Sanchez and Donald Cerrone, Diego Lima, like I mentioned, Ben Saunders, Carlos Condit. But then he's also welcomed some of the younger up-and-comers like Miguel Baeza and paid the price for it. Yeah. 23 and 18 is what his record is at this time. And he goes up against Brian Barbarina, who might be the most exciting fighter you've never heard of. Oh, I love that. I love he, that. This guy, I don't know if he's ever been in a less than like four and a half out of five fight. I mean, this guy only puts on like fight of the nights. Yes. Win or lose, he goes in there and goes for it. He's got incredible durability. I think back to the very first card on the ESPN network. Funny how we're now going, this card yep. is on ESPN, the network. 
it was the main event was Cain Velasquez, Francis Ngannou. Oh yeah. On to open that main card, it was Brian Barberina versus Vicente Luque. <laughs> back when Luque wasn't quite as revered as he is now. Those two beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. It was probably, I mean, this was 2019, so obviously we weren't doing this then. Probably would have been on the fight of the year. Yes. List. I mean, that fight was incredible. Barbarina came up short in the end, got finished very late in round three. That's kind of been his MO, man. He, he, he will, I mean, he will fucking take it to guys for three rounds and get pummeled right back. He almost, he's, I think, I don't know how many times he's been finished in round three. I mean, he was TKO'd by Randy Brown in round three, Vicente Luque in round three. He has a decision loss to Leon Edwards. A decision I mean, look loss at these losses. Covington. That's crazy. I mean, look at some of these people he's fighting. He's got a TKO win over Jake Ellenberger, uh, a decision win over Warley Alves. He submitted Sage Northcutt. I mean, there's a lot of names on this guy's resume. No easy fights. No uh, easy. Even the, he lost to Jason Witt or late last year. You remember that fight? That fight was fucking sick too. Yeah, and that was a majority decision. I mean, this guy is just—you probably saw his name and just moved up right on past. Probably didn't even recognize him. But this guy, I'm telling you, puts on nothing but bangers. And you line him up with Matt Brown who I don't think is going to turn down that kind of fight. No, no. These two guys have only struggled when they've won against the guys that take them down and hold them down. Neither of them are going to do it here. Have at, boys. Exactly. That's all I can say. This has fight of the night written all over it. It could be a swan song, potentially, for Matt Brown, 41 years old. Debuted in the UFC in 2008, Noah. We're 14 years deep into his UFC career, and if he can cap it off in his home uh, state in his city of Columbus. What a story it would be. Mm-hmm. Neil Magny. He's he back. is on this card. And this this fight was weird. Was weird. <laughs> weird. Very weird. Because yeah. yeah. uh, I forget, I didn't write down his ranking. He's ranked like number nine at welterweight, I want to say. Yeah. Like yep. eight or nine. He's, nine. He's going up against Max Griffin. So Max Griffin's getting a huge opportunity here. And Dara, might I just say, I'm a little surprised that he's getting uh, this kind of call up, this kind of yeah. shot. I like I just it. Wonder, I wonder. I kind of wonder if this is Neil Magny. Maybe I mean it's weird when Neil Magny was calling for Hamzat Shemaev, and he gets Max Griffin instead. It's like yeah, that's definitely true. Was that Neil Magny's call? Was he kind of like I need you know he had a couple tough losses there, like the loss to Kiesa. Yeah, that he needs something to kind of boost him back up or does the UFC really kind of being like, no, Max Griffin deserves this opportunity. Now, Max Griffin is a very exciting fighter has some yes. fun stand up, uh, but he's, he's the older guy in this fight. And Neil Magny has doubled the amount of UFC fights. I just have a hard time seeing where Max Griffin wins this fight, unless he obviously lands a knockout shot. I think skill for skill. I just think yeah. Neil Magny is a lot better. Dominic, what do you think? It's interesting, man, because you know what you're going to get from Neil Magny for the most part, right? I mean, he's so good in the clinch and his grappling. And, uh, you know, for having that long reach, he does like to keep it close for the most part, which is so odd. So weird. It's, he, you know? he, is, he is an MMA unicorn where yeah. I, I just – I don't I, – I can't say it's the most exciting fight style, but so it's so hard to to for fighters to, like, work through it, to win. Yeah. Good against them. 
Yeah, I mean, you you know, we were talking about Barbarain and the competition he's fought. I mean, Neil Magny. I mean, he I feel like he's fought everybody too. He's he's on in route to chasing GSP's record for wins in the welterweight division, <laughs> which is just crazy. crazy. <laughs> uh, but Max Griffin, is he really the older man in this fight? That's actually interesting. I think he's thirty six. I want to say. Damn, hey, he's still a freak athlete. Man carries explosiveness and power. He could make it scary, uh, but if he doesn't you know, essentially get a knockout, I think, it, it is a hard fight for him to win. I agree. And I don't know how many times Neil Magny's been knocked out in his career. I know he had that standing KO loss to Ponzinibbio. Yeah. Besides that, especially in the UFC. I mean, he'll like, usually lose by a decision or win by a decision. Yeah, you yeah know? it's pretty much <laughs> die by the sword and live by the sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I just, again, I don't see Max Griffin's route here. But obviously, the UFC are pairing these two up for a reason. Yeah. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I have been impressed with what I've seen from Max Griffin, even if I wasn't necessarily thinking top 15 or top 10 was next. I agree. Last but not least. I'm so happy we get to see this fight. <laughs> top five women's flyweight contender, former title challenger Jennifer Maya is back, looking to bounce back after her second loss to Caitlin Chukagian. It doesn't get any easier. She takes on the ferocious... Mm. And surging. Apparently, I, I, I heard Air, you know Ariel's really good oh, pronouncing yeah. names. It's Mano. They don't they don't pronounce the last end. Mano. Uh, Fiero. Fiero. Mano. So, Fiero. Yeah. So Mano Fiero, ranked number thirteen. But yet, Dominic, I feel like this is a beautiful form of matchmaking here. Yeah. Jennifer Maya is you know she's good she earned her way to her spot but she's a 500 fighter in the ufc yep yep uh her she she got her biggest win against joanne wood outside of that has been somewhat unremarkable i think her four ranking is a bit of a facade if i'm being Mm -hmm. honest but she's still a tough out for anybody and i think she's a great test for the young mano Fiero, who I, I was originally supposed to fight Jessica I, and I was not a fan of that match. <laughs> no, I just felt like Jessica I, I just think she's too far. I just too. I just think she's just not very good anymore. Just, this works out better, is what you're I saying. think this is more <laughs> what I'm looking for. More of a yeah. test, but still one that I think is, the rankings wouldn't tell you this, but head to head, this is much more competitive. And if anything, it's still... Mano's fight to lose here. I mean, she she is an exceptional talent at this uh, flyweight division that I I don't think enough people have the eyes on it like we do. Where no. these prospects are coming up, Casey so O'Neill. Um, we just talked about you know Alexa Grasso, Macy Barber. Uh, there's I mean Marina Maverick, Aaron Marina Blanchfield, Maverick, yes, Melissa Gatto, like <laughs> so many people. Yeah. And Mano might be the best of all of them. And, She's leading uh, the charge. She, this is a her chance for her to. Re- I mean, if she wins this fight, Dominic, she might She's, get a title shot next. She's launched in. Taylor Santos is number five and yep. is getting a title fight, and that's because everybody in front of Taylor Santos has lost to Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, Mano. I mean, I don't know if she's quite ready for Valentina, but she better get ready because if she comes in here and I'm what it could be. A this is a chance for her to potentially put on a showcase, show the world, hey, I've arrived, and yes. now she's in the top five. 
and then people might start clamoring for her to be in a title fight. Her versus Valentina might happen before the end of the year, Dom. Yeah, and if she gets there, by the way, that's that's actually a very intriguing matchup. I know Valentina's like this queen unbeatable. I get that. And I but... realized when I said that, I kind of acted like Taylor won't win. Oh, yeah, fight. But I true. Because we... Yes, I think Taylor's a tough fight for Valentina. I really do. But my, my, this fight is all about Monica for me. If Jennifer yeah, Maya well, wins, what a fucking upset that would be in my Huge, huge upset, and I think it just this tells you how much the UFC believes in Mono, and they're trying to capitalize on it. They are, and then if she wins, hello, you're catapulted right in. Yeah, well, I think that's going to wrap it up here for this weekend preview edition of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Let us know your thoughts on all the fights that we broke down here, any that we missed, which fights are you excited for? Let us know. But Dominic, until next time, tell us where they can find us on social media. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, <laughs> go interact with us. Instagram been popping lately. Let us know if you guys like the reels. It seems to get Ooh. a lot of engagement. And Dominic people... opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently. So uh, let us know what you guys think there. Uh, but you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. You guys know the deal. Link in my bio, link tree, list of links. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Also, a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out. Shout out to Anchor. You can find those there. But that's it. We're out. And we will see you guys on Monday. Have fun to everybody at UFC Columbus. Say hi if you see us there. Yeah, if you see us there, come say hi.